I'm Ariana. And I'm Julie Gaffney. And this is Justice, That's, That's the, the Business, business we're, we're In. This Michigan-based podcast focuses on civil rights laws and cases from the perspective of attorney Julie Gaffney and her law firm. Attorney Gaffney specializes in discrimination cases. This is a podcast for those who are interested in learning more about the law, current events, and the way in which they affect our communities in everyday life. So before we begin today's main discussion, I would first like to say Happy Black History Month and that I hope that you take time during this month to research, reflect, and celebrate the impact that black people have had in the United States and continue to have today. If you're wondering if there are some ways that you can support Black History Month, there are a plethora of ways that you can do this. So you can buy from black businesses, um, local, in person, and online. You can support black art. So this comes in many forms. This can be literature, museums, TV shows, movies, and foods. And also, do not forget to do your own research. There are plenty of resources. Um, and also, before we get into this episode, it is very traumatic. So um, I would take caution when listening to this um, because it's very disturbing. Um, so yes, so today we're going to be focusing on Ahmaud Arbery and um, the people who murdered him. Uh, so back in, I wanna give background information on this case because um, even though they have been charged right now, they are in the process um, in the federal courts, which we will get into a little bit later. So back in 2020, um, there were multiple murders at the hands of the police and white supremacists to, uh, towards innocent black men and women who were targeted and murdered uh, just because of the color of their skin. And this included uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery. And in today's episode, we are going to be focusing on the, murders, uh, the murderers of Ahmaud Arbery and how they are currently in the process um, of selecting jurors for this federal case. So on February 23rd, 2020, um, Ahmad Arbery went on a run near his home. And during this time, he began to be followed by three men and two of whom were in the same truck. And they were following him because they said he looked suspicious. Um, I don't know how you look suspicious. You're just on a run, minding your own business. And so it was a father and son, Gregory and Travis McMichael. And while he's on his run, he's being followed by these three men. So um, Gregory and Travis McMichael were harassing him and following him. And while he's on his run, minding his own business, and um, they... In, in the video, we watched the video over, and I remember when this first when this video first surfaced, um, he was running, and they are out there yelling at him, and so they stop the car in front of him, and he's still out there running, defenseless, and they, I'm sorry, they stopped him, and the son gets out the car, who is Travis, with his gun. They're both armed. Um, and Ahmad is unarmed. So Travis approaches him and they begin fighting and Ahmad is defending himself. Because if you're on a run and these two men start harassing and trying to attack you, the first thing you're gonna do is defend yourself. 
Um, so while he's defending himself, Gregory gets out of his car and begins firing shots um, towards um, Ahmad. And it was Gregory who um, shot Ahmad. And in the video, it's so tragic. And I get emotional every time these types of cases are brought up because he was defenseless. He was on a run. He was minding his own business. And you attacked a man for no reason just because he looked suspicious. And it was just because he was black. Um, and I would like to clarify again and again that Ahmad was unarmed because one thing that I've noticed when like researching for this case and other cases that they're like, oh, I was threatened by him. I was threatened by him. What exactly was threatening? Because they're like, oh, this man. Because when I was reading the articles, the, the vibe that I was getting from Travis is that he's like, oh, how dare he defend himself after I get into his personal space and try to attack him? How dare he defend himself? And he's like, I was just so nervous and I was just, I was just so uncomfortable. I'm like, you literally, you murdered a man. It's despicable. And it is hard to watch the video, isn't it? Yes, like my hands are literally trembling right now because I'm so angry and um, it just makes me so sad. Because this, you, racism is so embedded into this country and people are minding their own business on an everyday basis. And for someone to just take an innocent man's life just makes me so sad and it burns me up. Um, and, you, and you said he was followed by three men. So when, yes. where was the third man? Yes. Ariana? So the third man was William Roddy Bryan. And he was following them in another car behind them. And he was recording the entire thing, which is even, that's also disgusting. And the thing is, you, it, the video, you just get like chills because they, he's, out there running by himself defenseless and these two men are harassing him and with guns yes both of them are armed and uh yes so it was recorded on his phone and one thing that i've been noticing on all of these um articles is it described as a modern day lynching and i i, I agree wholly because this man was minding his own business. The only crime that was committed was um, him being murdered for him being black. Um, it, it, that, that's exactly what it was. They had no reason to approach this man um, at all. So there was a video. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear. It is very clear cut from this video that Ahmad is not armed. Mm -hmm. that these two in the truck, the father-son duo, are harassing him, are brandishing guns, and you watch them physically shoot him to death. Why did it take... What, how long did it take for them to be prosecuted in Georgia? It for charges took to be brought? them two months to arrest them. Um, and... It's because, according to the New York Times, Gregory McMichael is a former Glynn County police officer and a former investigator with the local district's attorney office. And that's a direct quote. And, um, and it took two months. It's, 
I'm like, I'm speechless right now because when watching the video, you it's, it's kind of fast forwarded on, on like websites and, um, so he's running and the video kind of fast forwards and then the truck, the first truck is in front of him and he's trying to run around the truck and get away from them. And the son, Travis approaches him with a loaded gun and then they start, um, fighting and he's defending himself and then the dad gets up and shoots him multiple there's multiple gunshots and it's just oh disgusting so let's uh, eventually fortunately these individuals these three men were charged with murder in the state of georgia and last year in 2021 they did go to trial in november of 2021 and Fortunately, there was a verdict of guilty um, for all three of these men who were charged with murder. Now, the two in the truck, Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael, the father and son duo who um, actually shot Ahmad, they were sentenced in January of 2022 with life in prison without the possibility of parole. The third person, the one following, the one who did the video, but he was participating in conspiring with those two to harass and eventually kill Ahmad. That was William Roddy Bryan. He got life in prison with the possibility of parole. Um, so that was the Georgia trial. And the charges in th that case were, um, they were all charged with a count of intentional murder, all found guilty. Um, they also were charged with aggravated assault with a shotgun, aggravated assault with a truck, false imprisonment by chasing Mr. Arbery with a truck and attempting to commit a felony by unlawfully chasing Mr. Arbery with the truck. So those were other felonies that were charged as well, but all three were charged with the intentional murder. Now, the prosecutors in Georgia did not have to prove that race was a motivating factor to secure those murder convictions. But why is that? Because the motivation, the bias of the murderers, the defendants, in the Georgia intentional murder counts was not relevant. It's not an element of the crime. What's interesting about Georgia too is that there is no hate crime statute. So they did not get charged with any hate crime arising out of state law. Um, now, fortunately they have been found guilty but what's going on right now, Ariana, is that they are on trial again, but in federal court. And they are being charged with a federal hate crime and with another count of federal kidnapping. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, the Michaels are being charged with firearms-related charges as well. But... Focusing on the, the federal hate crime, um, that is defined under federal law 
as a crime motivated by bias against the victim's perceived or actual race, color, religion, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, or disability. In this case, obviously, race is the motivating factor for the defendants, and that is the hate crime that they are being charged with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some would say they're already being charged, they've already been sentenced in the Georgia State Court with life, two of them life without the possibility of parole, one with the possibility of parole. But here's the thing, you know, we never, we didn't in the Georgia case look at what was the motivation. That wasn't the element of the crime. In the federal case, that is the element of the crime was what is the motivation? What is the bias? Was Ahmad's civil rights violated when he was targeted and killed by these individuals? Mm -hmm. You know, I think the evidence shows definitely yes, but I think it, you know, there's a bigger picture here. It's important that even though they're already being, they're already serving out a sentence um, for the state crimes, the fact that they should be held accountable, they should be found guilty of the hate crime is important to send a message to show that you know these types of crimes cannot be tolerated in mm -hmm. this country any longer. And so I'm glad they're being tried by the, the federal prosecutor. Yeah. And you know, good luck to the prosecutor in that case because you know, based on the evidence that we have seen thus far in the state court case and through the, the video, um, this is such an egregious crime that, that occurred, and it certainly appears that it was done based on Mr. Arbery's race. And it's even more disgusting that, like, in this federal case, Travis and Gregory McMichael were going to apply for a plea deal. Yeah, it disgusting. I'm glad the judge wouldn't allow it. Yeah. And what they were about, they, what they were going to plead was that they wanted to spend 30 of their lifetime, 30 years of their lifetime sentences in a federal prison and not a state prison. And for those of you who don't know, um, the conditions in a federal prison are a lot better than in a state prison. Um, Absolutely. So what the, if there is a guilty verdict in the hate crime case, what the judge could do, the federal judge could do is, is stack the sentences. In other words, the first 30 years could be in state court prison and then the, and then they could be transferred to, you know, serve out additional time for the hate crime in a federal prison or something like that, you know, the, in, as opposed to the sentences being concurrent. Um, so I agree that there is, um, the federal prisons tend to be better conditions than the state prisons. And, and the family didn't want that. And I don't, I don't blame the family. I think the mother said it was insulting, which it is. It's outrageous. And um, thank you to U.S. District Judge Lisa Gabby Wood for dismissing it because that is unacceptable. Um, and she made the right decision. 
So, Julie, from the perspective of, of an attorney, um, one thing I am curious about, and I'm interested in hearing what your response is, but from your perspective, how would you describe like the process of selecting jurors for a trial especially, or the, the, um, the process or the importance of selecting jurors for a trial, especially one as visible and high coverage as this one? Well, you're talking about a hate crime, and mm-hmm. a highly publicized hate crime, and so it's very important that the jury be a cross-section of the community. You don't want a situation like an Emmett Till's case, for instance, mm-hmm. in the 1950s, where um, his murderers got an all-white jury and they got not guilty verdicts. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to today, fortunately, since 1986 at least, the U.S. Supreme Court in Batson versus Kentucky specifically found that even if it's a peremptory challenge, and a peremptory challenge is where um, one of the attorneys can strike a juror just for any reason. Um, And in this case, the federal prosecutor gets six peremptory challenges and the defendants get jointly a total of 10. So the, the defendants for 10, re- for 10 jurors in the jury pool can say, I don't want you know, Jane Doe, and they don't have to state the reason. It can be for any reason. However, in Batson versus Kentucky, which is this 1986 case, if it appears that it's racially motivated, that race is a factor, the judge can not permit the challenge. And so, um, fortunately, peremptory challenges can be challenged if it appears to be racial in nature. Um, So hopefully we'll get a jury that is more of a cross-sectional versus just an all-white jury, for instance. Um, You know, examining the attitudes, beliefs, and experiences of the potential jurors is so important in this case because the case involves motivation. (laughs) Motivation of the the killers. Um, What is the reason that they murdered Mr. Arbery? And was it a hate crime? So making sure you get a fair and impartial jury is very important in this case and could take longer. Mm -hmm. I mean, the publicity itself will potentially create a longer process for the jury selection because I was telling you about peremptory challenges and there is a limit on those mm-hmm. under the, the criminal procedures, but there is no limit on jurors in the jury pool being excluded for cause. So if one of the attorneys can articulate cause as to why a juror should not sit, a potential juror should not sit, that person could be excused from serving. So if, for instance, there's the person has heard a bunch of publicity about the case and has formed an opinion about the case um, already and can't and won't deviate from that opinion, regardless of the evidence, the judge needs to strike that type of individual. And so... Um, yeah, jury selection in, in this 
case is very important. Um, exploring the attitudes, beliefs, and experiences of the jurors is, is critical for both sides. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what we get for a jury. Um, we'll follow this trial and we'll see what the result is. Yes. Uh, I, like you said, we will be keeping our eyes on this trial because it's, it's very important. And I, I would like to end this episode to remind us all that the fight for justice is nowhere close to being end to the end or personally I don't think that it will ever end we'll, we, we will always be fighting for some form of justice um, and we just need to keep fighting and I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode thank you everyone. Um, especially on an, on an episode that is just so um, important and emotional um, so again at the end in our show notes we have the resources that we used um, to research this episode and thank you for listening thank you Thank you.